Supported KTOO. Welcome to Juno Afternoon, broadcasting live from the homelands of the Aquan and on demand as a podcast. It's Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. I'm your host, Basu Christopher Kanachij. Hawa Salamat for joining the conversation. On today's show, Juno World Affairs Council's biggest fundraiser, WorldQuest, is happening this Friday. We'll have a preview. The Juno Arts and Humanities Council will get us up to speed on all things arts-related for the month of February. Thread, an organization advancing child development in Alaska, has an open house of a new office here in Juno and some news to share on upcoming programming. And the USDA Fireside Lecture Series continues with this week's topic, Once Upon a Time Ago, Archaeology and the Clues from the Past. Those conversations, music, and more coming up this hour on Juno Afternoon. This year marks KTOO's 50th year in operation, and we're making this uh, a milestone by celebrating you, the community that has supported locally owned airwaves in Juneau for five decades. As part of this celebration, we'd love to hear your reflections on how KTOO has impacted you over the years. We're looking for audio submissions that are one to three minutes in length that share your thoughts, memories, driveway moments, and personal stories about the station that we can use on the air. To submit, record your message on your smartphone and email it to junoafternoon at ktoo.org. Instructions for getting good audio can be found on our homepage on the big banner right there on the right top there. We look forward to hearing from you. Gunath Chish, Hawa, Salamat, thank you. And here is a recent reflection from Jocelyn Clark. Jocelyn Clark here to wish KTOO a happy 50th. Having been born only a few years before the station, for my whole life, I have thought of KTOO as a center of our community. Growing up, K2 exposed us to every genre of music, as well as local, state, and national news, all at one stop on the dial. Susan Fitzgerald and Jeff Brown schooled Robin G. Davis, Rold Simonson, and me in the art of producing a radio show. And in 2007, we launched Cross Sound Radio to support the Cross Sound New Music Festival, which ran here in Juneau from 1999 to 2011. It always started like this. Welcome to Cross Sound Radio. I'm Roblin Gray Davis, your host for two hours of eclectic contemporary music by composers from around the world. The show took around 30 hours each week to produce, significantly more than we had imagined. We'd record into the wee hours of the night, always managing to get our files uploaded before our two-hour slot, but often with only minutes to spare. We managed to produce 52 shows before we all moved on to new projects. It is with sincere gratitude and hearts full of nostalgia that all of us from Cross Sound Radio wish KTOO a happy birthday. Happy birthday, K2. Happy birthday, K2. Happy birthday, K2. You 
are listening to Community Supported Juno Afternoon on KTOO 104.3 Juno, 91.7 Juno Ock Bay and online at KTOO.org. I'm your host, Boston Christopher. This Friday night, according to the person joining me now live in the studio, is the biggest and best night of trivia in town. And he should know because he writes it all. It's Carl Broderson and the 18th annual Juno World Affairs Council annual fundraiser World Quest. It's happening at Centennial Hall this Friday, February 2nd at 6 p.m. And you can visit jwac.org to find out more. Carl, Gunnath Cheesh for being here. Welcome back. Thank you for having me and thank you for accommodating my ego. Yes, it's the biggest and the best because I make it. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty amazing. I mean, first off, let's talk about it. 18th annual. That's a big deal. How did WorldQuest get started? It's a national event put on by the World Affairs Councils of America as a fundraiser and also as a an opportunity for kids to go and compete in a uh, in a, a trivia based setting. But uh, Juno doesn't have a youth team. We make it into a fundraiser, and uh, it's you know Juno's World Affairs Council has been around since the '80s, and 18 years ago this program came out, and we hopped on board, and we've been rolling with it ever since. That's awesome. So let's talk about the Juno World Affairs Council. Let's just reset or JWAC as a lot of people call it. Uh, what's the mission of the organization and what kind of events offerings do you put on? Well, perfectly from memory, the Juno World Affairs Council <laughs> is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization whose mission is to encourage dialogue and understanding of important international, economic, political, and social issues by bringing experts to Juno to tell us what they know about the globe. We bring oh, wow. the world to Juno. We bring the world to Juno. What a great catchphrase, really, right? And even in the era of Zoom, it's still important to have a person actually come and be in the room with you and tell you eye to eye about what they're seeing going on in the world and what they're an expert about. Yeah. 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 I think that's pretty amazing. Um, So WorldQuest is the biggest fundraiser of the year. It supports all that you do at JWAC throughout the year and um, bringing up all these great people paying for travel and, you know, honorarium fees and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And also uh, for filming here at K2, I like to point out that about half of our budget goes directly to K2 for services. So it's kind of a double whammy if you want to support both organizations. (laughs) (laughs) That's really nice. Yeah. The production team does a great job on those. um, And we give all props to the video team who helps out JWAC with those on pretty much a monthly basis almost. Yeah. And oh my gosh, yes. Are they talented and capable and a wonderful asset to this community? Well, going to choose for that. Um, So now we mentioned it was 18 years and that you tend to be the one who writes and creates these questions. Have you been doing it all these years? I think this is my... 14th year of doing it. I, I came in a little bit late. I made the mistake of going to a World Quest once as a participant and then making a recommendation about how something could be done next year. And they just looked at me with a glint in their eyes and says, you have shown interest, young man. You are now it. Yep. So next year I was on the board and ran the whole event. <laughs> And it's been that way ever since. And you change things up every year, right? You write new questions? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, people come to this thing every year, and so we can't just reuse things from previous years or it would be massively unfair. We have to have new material every time. And like, how do you, Carl, how do you keep that fresh? It's getting really difficult. A lot of my basic, uh, you know, trivia things that I can go to have all been used. And so you have to go, you know, dig deeper or go into world events. And uh, this is supposed to be a positive, fun night. And so there are a lot of very important, very relevant things in the past and in the present that I'm not willing to touch just because we are not here for a depressing evening. And that, that doesn't, you know, diminish the importance of all of those things that are going on at all. But 
we need to try to keep it positive. And it's harder and harder and harder to make this a fun, positive night. Believe me. <laughs> well, you do. And that's a great thing. And you have some great uh, presenters that will be there on Friday night. Um, tell us a little bit about them. And also, what can we expect uh, during the evening? It is presented by Christina Apathy and Jesse Keel, who do a wonderful job. I am I'm so grateful for them. Uh, the event, it's, uh, it's it, what you would expect to see at a Centennial Hall fundraiser. You come in, there's dinner, there's a silent auction, there's a dessert auction. And the thing that uh, that uh, I would say elevates us, perhaps, is that we then go immediately into a really entertaining program with a minimum of speeches. And the program is uh, 50 trivia questions that are written. You play with your team uh, at your table, and uh, it's presented on a slideshow. It's just a big PowerPoint. The question is read out. You have about a minute to confer. You write it down. We do five rounds of 10. There's breaks in between. Uh, it's not imposing at all. You can show up with a team of eight if you want or just by yourself. Uh, there's lots and lots of space, so you don't even have to talk to another human if you don't want to. Like Genuinely, that is an option. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's no awkward, hey, can we join your team? We got here five minutes late. Nope, just go ahead and find a spot for yourself. Play along. You get into the groove of it very quickly. It is just a fun, wonderful evening. That's awesome. And tickets are uh, $75 or 40 for students. And they're available at your website, JWHC. And as we mentioned, this is a fundraiser that helps to pay for all the different events that you put on all year. And I want to make a quick note here that you say, wear something fancy or international. Yes. There are not nearly enough opportunities to dress up in this town. And so I'm always trying to push the idea that, you know, come in a ball gown or put on a suit just to have, you know, or, or those shoes that you got at Shoe Fly that you don't have anywhere <laughs> to wear them to, like wear them to this event. But only if you want to. Don't feel any pressure behind that either. Plenty of people will show up just and, you know. That's what I love about this. It's, uh, you, you, you know, you tout it as sort of a low key, you know, come on your own, come with a friend, bring a team, whatever it is. Um, and of course, we want to make this note too. Under 21s must be accompanied by a parent or a guardian. Right. Bar service um, is there. Yeah. So the because of the bar service. But it's, and all the questions are multiple choice. It's a really fun time. It's a great fundraiser. And Carl, I always try to get you to give us like a one example of like a question. Do you have one that you might be able to share with us before we go? And I fail you every year because <laughs> I would need a dozen of them to not give the wrong impression because the questions <laughs> are so varied and eclectic. Uh, I try to make it so that you, there are hints in the way that the question is phrased so you can at least divine your way to a 50-50 guess if you yeah. know other information on the side. Uh, they are informative. They're interesting. Uh, uh I try to keep the Star Trek to a minimum when it actually counts. There's tons of it in there, of course, but you know, yeah, yeah. There's there's uh, there's benefits if you are an aficionado of the Star Trek universe, but um, <laughs> I love it. Well, I will keep trying every year to get those questions, but it's always best to just show up. It's the JWAC JWAC um, World Quest. It's happening this Friday night at Centennial Hall. And what time does it start again? Doors open at six. Dinner is at six fifteen, and the program is at six forty-five. Absolutely, and can get to tickets at jwac.org. Carl, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for coming in and regaling us with this year's adventure in uh, fundraising and trivia. Thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, up next, Juno Arts and Humanities Council with all the arts and First Friday events happening here in Juno. But first, we're going to hear a little preview of one of our guests from tomorrow from our friend and pal at KNBA, Rhonda McBride. You're listening to Juno Afternoon on KTOO. I Draw Slow is a string band out of Dublin with fiddle, guitar, bass, and banjo, and the sublime brother and sister harmonies of Dave and Louise Holden. Oh, love, you give it, love, you 
writes most of the lyrics to the songs the group does. She says she uses them to share stories. Originally, songs and balladry would have been a way of capturing a story and carrying it through from generation to generation. From the days when there would have been no telly, there'd be no movies. So this would be the entertainment. This is how you get stories across. The songs range from a story about a bird that gets lost in an airport. There's a bullfinch in the terminal on the wrong side of the To one taken from an old newspaper article about a woman who fell from a lighthouse. Holden also writes songs in what she calls Irish or... Gaelga. Gaelga. Gaelga, the indigenous language of Ireland. Holden says the Irish, like Alaska natives, are in a battle to save their language. Although everyone learns it in school, she says most are embarrassed to speak it because they aren't fluent, which is why she decided to write a love song in the true heart language of the Irish. You can safely go to Irish because it's got that freshness and it feels like it's coming from the deepest architecture of our brains because that's what our foremothers and forefathers spoke. So having some access to your own indigenous language, I think is very important for yourself. The title of this song in English is called My Share of Life, a song about deep love and yearning, with lyrics Holden says that can't really be translated. That's why she says indigenous languages have a power to express much more than words. In Anchorage, I'm Rhonda McBride. I Draw Slow will be here live on Juno Afternoon tomorrow. Thanks to our colleague at KMBA, Rhonda McBride, for that preview. This is Juno Afternoon from your listener-supported public media station, KTOO. I'm your host, Boston Christopher. Can you believe January 2024 is basically in the books? Hard to believe, but it's true. So it's time, once again, for the Arts Roundup with the Juno Arts and Humanities Council. Joining me now in Studio 2K, dedicated to Carolyn Hobbs-Peterson, is Rochelle Bonet. Hi, Rochelle. Hi, thanks. Hi, Thank you for being here so much. Wasayiti, how's it going? It's going well. How are you? I'm good. And you brought a guest. Who is your guest? Um, this is Dave Wetzel. He is our featured artist at the Juno Arts and Culture Center Gallery for the month of February. Awesome. Well, we'll get to you in just a second. Let's talk okay. about all of the things that are going on. You have a few things to mention. So um, we've got uh, all the, the, I can't believe January's over and February's here, but here we are. And so um, obviously first Friday, this Friday, we have tons of stuff. Is there anything specific you want to mention about that besides 
our friend Dave here? Um, just a few things. Uh, we have an exhibit opening over at the Davis Gallery in Centennial Hall. That's um, an exhibit of photographs taken by Terry Tibbet. And it looks like the Juno Douglas City Museum has a new show opening that's featuring quilts by the Juno Modern Quilt Guild. Um, see Alaska Heritage has some featured artists at the Walter Sobolov building. And one that I was really excited about is um, it looks like Alaska Robotics Gallery is going to be featuring a community exhibit in the theme of perseverance. And uh, according to their post on their social media account, anybody in the community is eligible to drop off a piece at the gallery by tomorrow, Wednesday, January 31st um, at 5 p.m. to be included in the show. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, that's going to be up at their new space um, next to Amalga Distillery. Awesome. That's really cool. And, of course, you can find all of the First Friday information and events at jahc.org slash first-friday or hit the tab that's on the homepage there. That's um, right. And so what else is happening for events at the Jack? So we have quite a few things coming up in February. We have Clink, which is our annual wine tasting fundraiser. It's almost sold out. So if you are wanting to go, there's a few reserved tickets left. So um, you can get tickets online on our website. And then on February 14th, on Valentine's Day, we're doing a fun, stress-free art night. The focus of that one is going to be printmaking. And, um, you know, this could be a really fun date night. So anybody out there that's thinking about something to do, think about coming to Stress-Free Art Night. It's a suggested donation of 5 to $10, and we provide all the materials and prompts to get you going. We also have the Gospel Choir Workshops coming back this year. That's going to be the week of February 19th through the 25th. Um, all the information about that is on our website, and um, we'll hopefully be back to talk more about that one um, in detail with you, Boston. Of course. And our last thing that we have in February is a cooking class up at Spice Juno Indian Cuisine, and that's on February 27th. And we, um, I think we still have a few tickets available. So. Oh, man. That is that is the thing to do right there, yeah. right? Learn yeah. a little bit of the Indian cuisine. Yeah. Uh, is Nimi teaching that class? Yeah, it's it's her and her executive chef. They um, just depending on who's available, they lead the class and kind of show you how to create a meal from scratch. That's so great. Spice yeah. is doing some wonderful things for the community. They've got their little cafe space as well. Yeah. Just a great addition to the restaurant scene and the night scene and the cafe scene here in Juneau. So, Absolutely. Um, of course, you can find out all about all that stuff at jahc.org. J-A-H-C.org. Rochelle, thank you. Let's talk to thank Dave you. a little bit. Hi, Dave. Hey, how are you? I'm excellent. So um, you are the featured artist for the month of February at the Jack Gallery. Is that right? That's right. Okay. Tell us a little bit about you and your work. Well, um, let's see. I grew up in a pretty artsy family. My dad was a professional artist, so I, I really got to start at a young age playing around with paints and watching other people paint So and really enjoyed it. I, I painted all through high school and then I kind of just dropped it for a long time and then <clears throat> COVID hit and everybody <laughs> like everybody else, I was looking for something yeah. to do. When you couldn't go outside, so um, so I picked it back up again. I really, uh, really been enjoying it quite a bit, and um, I, I paint oils. I do mainly landscapes. It's more of a, kind of an impressionist, tonalist style. So a lot of um, obviously a lot of subjects up here in Alaska to look for and paint. So I, uh, 
I tend to go out and, and look for a scene that I really like, and then I might sketch a little bit, take a reference photo, but I, I do most of my work back in the studio. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is how do you get the ideas, right? So you go out and get inspired, like take a walk and then you see something or do you do you always have like in your satchel, do you have your notebook and your in your can? I guess we all have a camera on us nowadays, but like do you have that stuff at the ready? So if you just happen to be out and there's a beautiful, I don't know, like a sunset or something and you take some reference photos. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. exactly it. Yeah, I keep a sketchbook in the car just in case I'm driving around and something looks good. I um Last February, you know, there was really had some beautiful weather around Oak Lake, and I'd drive by there every morning, and I'm, I must have driven by there 10 times going, no, not quite yet, not quite yet. And then I finally, <laughs> I finally had the right kind of light and stuff, so I pulled over and took some pictures and sketched it out. But, uh, you know, there's, there's a multitude of things to paint around here, and I, I like to paint some subjects that are really familiar to people. Sandy Beach, the Pump House, I've got one of those, you know, and, and just so something that people can relate to that have either been to Juno or they live here and they go, oh, yeah, I remember that. Or I've seen a sunset just like that one. Yeah. So. And how did you get inspired? Like when you were younger, as you said, you were into it then and then you kind of left it a little bit and then returned. But what was that inspiration when you were younger? Why landscapes? Was it something about were you connecting to the land in some way? What was it that made you go that route? A little bit. I mean, I think um, starting out, my dad was a wildlife artist, mainly birds. Okay. And so um, my first foray into art was painting over one of his paintings when he was away from the easel <laughs> for a while. So I got in big trouble for that. But um, <clears throat> but I, I gradually grew to where I, I didn't really want to do a lot of that detailed wildlife kind of art. I really was more inspired by Monet type things where yeah. it's a it's more of an abstract landscape, but you get a feeling for it. I, I really like the the play of light in a scene, and I like to almost paint the light more than what the light's hitting. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, my favorite word from undergrad when I had to take art history class was what is it? Chiaroscuro, right, or whatever that word is, where it's a light and dark, and the difference between those. And and I guess mm -hmm. if you're doing sort of um, you know, sort of not exact, you're not doing an exact representation necessarily, right? You're sort of like playing around with some of the form of it. Yeah. I try, I try to stick pretty well to the, to the actual dimensions and the, okay. of, of what's back there. But, you know, with, within, just along with any kind of photo, you can, if you don't like where a tree is in there, you take it out or you move it to the <laughs> other side, you know, I mean, it's your, it's your interpretation of what, what the scene means to you and what you want to translate to somebody else. So yeah. if something doesn't work in the middle of it, I, I, I just painted one of uh, kind of looking from Sandy Beach down to downtown in Juneau and my reference photo out of big cruise ship right in the middle of it and it just didn't work. So right. <clears throat> took that out. You're like, that's and, out of there. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. anyway, for sure. Uh, now, did you, I'm just curious, is this, are, is, are you part of the um, gallery submissions? Did you submit to be part of the gallery year? I did. Okay. I did. And how was, how did that process go? Well, tell us a little bit of it. Cause I want other people to be inspired to do that. Right? Oh, it was great. I mean, the, the application was really straightforward. You know, you, you, Write a little bit about yourself, you know, your background, how you got into art, what kind of art you do, and of course, examples of your pieces, and then a, a proposal for what your show might include. So you'd say, well, I'm probably going to have 20 paintings. They're going to be landscape based, that, you know, a lot of Juno scenes, a lot of Alaska scenes. And then I assume that the Jack kind of flips through those and decides which ones they think are going to work. And yeah, it's a great yeah. program because uh, as you said, like you got back into it um, during COVID, you know, and so it's not necessarily that you are, 
you know, have been doing this professionally your whole life. It's like really sort of community based and it's the beauty of the Jack, in my opinion, that they're able to open that up. And is that what you look for, Rochelle, when you're looking for these submissions or through these submissions? That's absolutely right. We look for um, emerging artists, professional artists, people that are, you know, kind of like in the middle of their career. Um, And we want to make sure that we select like a good variety of, of different artists in their career and then also different mediums and different subject matter just to make sure that it's like, you know, uh, it's, it's just a good gallery presentation. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Well, I'm, God, that's really, that's exciting, Dave. Yeah. When was I'm the last, really t- have you had a show before or is this like your first show? This is it. Wow. <laughs> I, I haven't even done a first Friday at a cafe or anything. I just, <laughs> that is it's, awesome. My, my wife, Diana told me I was shooting too high and I just said, well, you know, no. <laughs> it's always worth a shot. So. And that's one of the things that um, our committee has been talking about a lot too, is that for some artists, the Jack is their first show. And that's huge for people, you know, who are just like trying to start a career or they're just dabbling or they're getting back into it during the the pandemic. And yeah. so um, that's we, cool. We, we want to be that for the community, for sure. And are we at the point, Dave, where we have an Instagram with some of your photos on it or, mm-hmm. or you know, some of your paintings? I mean, yeah, uh, it's uh, at Dave Wetzel Art. And I haven't really added too many paintings yet because I kind of wanted them to just show up at the show first. But as soon as we open gotcha. up here, I'll, I'll go in and add a bunch of those on there. And will you mi- would you mind spelling your last name? Yeah, W-E-T-Z-E-L. Okay, W-T-Z-E-L. Dave Wetzel, the fre- February 1st Friday uh, artist will be in the gallery the whole month of February. And of course, all the other events that Rochelle mentioned, things that are coming up, Clink, the Spice Cooking Class, the Gospel Workshop, stress- Stress-Free Art Night, and all the other listings about what's going on on First Friday are available at the Juno Arts and Humanity Council's website at jahc.org. Gunnath Cheesh for coming in and sharing with us. That was great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Pleasure. All right, up next, Thread, a nonprofit organization focused on child education and development, has a new office space opening in Juneau. We'll find all about it. We'll find out all about it here next on Juno Afternoon from KTOO. But first, a savory moment. Step in to the savory moment. Just a heads up, your sheet pan has a secret life, and it's sizzling. I know, this news comes after recent revelations that your mild-mannered sheet pan living quietly next to the muffin tins is actually a dinnertime hero. Destined for more than just cookies, your sheet pan is a platform for an entire supper. Cooked all at once, purple cabbage with sausages, say, or salmon nestled among asparagus. As a bonus, it performs the role of serving dish. But there's more. If you get the sheet pan really hot first, preheating your sheet pan is when that rectangle of aluminum really spins around and twirls the lasso. Ingredients get a head start on cooking and a bit of a sear. Try it with those oven fries you've been perfecting. Thin, crispy shoestrings begging for a squeeze of ketchup. Place your sheet pan on the bottom rack of your oven. 
then heat to 550 degrees. Use the convection feature if you have it. Slice a couple of room temperature russets into shoestrings. Coat with olive oil and season to taste. When the oven is fully preheated, pull the pan carefully from the oven and add the potatoes. And sizzle. For about 20 minutes. Back to the sheet pan supper concept. Can oven fries really be an entire meal? Absolutely, if you add a squeeze of ketchup. Find the full recipe for sizzling shoestring oven fries at savorymoment.org. From the studios of KCAW in Sitka, Alaska, I'm Beth Short Rhodes. Whatever is on your dinner table tonight, may you savor the moment. Listening to Juno Afternoon from Studio 2K at KTOO. I'm your host, Boston Christopher. For more than three decades, Thread has been working to advance child development and early childhood education outcomes in Alaska. And now, Thread has opened a new office in Juno and will be having an open house for all in the community to attend. It's happening this Friday. And joining me now to chat about this and some upcoming offerings are Kelsey DeCamelis who is the professional development specialist for Thread, and Jen Clark, who's joining us from Anchorage, I believe, who's the professional development director for Thread. Gunnath Cheesh, how are you all? Doing well. Thank you so much for having us. Of course. Jen, can you hear us all right? I can hear you. Thank you. I am joining from Anchorage, and I'm really happy to be here. Great. It's so nice to have you both here. So um, let's start at the beginning, right? What is Thread? I'll take that one. Thank you. Um, Thread is uh, Alaska's child care resource and referral organization. So we're a statewide organization and we offer services for families, early childhood educators and programs, as well as businesses and communities statewide. So for our families, we have um, child care referral so they can call or visit our website to get child care referrals um, for their area as well as we offer the child care assistance program for Southeast Alaska. For our educators and early childhood programs, um, we offer training, education, support, coaching, consultation, really kind of any, any sorts of support that programs might need in um, providing care for children and families um, in their community. And then for businesses and communities, we help um, kind of figure out what their childcare needs might be. We also have our pick, click, give going on right now. Um, and we, again, if people want to visit our website, we have our, um, our advocacy and action alert sign up so they can find out how to be advocates for quality childcare in their area and around the state. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that in a little bit, because I thought that was a pretty cool, um, thing that you have there in terms of getting those alerts. And so, so it sounds like if I'm getting this, that you have programs for, uh, individuals to find out about childcare and also you're helping communities to figure out ways you're partnering with different people in communities to find ways to improve childcare and early childhood development. Is that right? 
Correct. With communities and then also with individual childcare programs, if they need support with a particular classroom or a teacher that needs a little bit of um, extra help, we we have our training calendar. So educators around the state can go on and sign up for either in-person or virtual training hours to get their training hours in. Um, and we offer in-person um, Super Saturday and Infant Toddler Symposium so they can come and get several hours of training at once. Um, yeah, that's cool. So how do people find out about the different programs? Is the best way to go to the website? The best way is to go to threadalaska.org. You can find everything there. Threadalaska.org. Okay, because there's all kinds of programs. And let's mention again, because I did, you mentioned these action alerts. Um, I think this is really important. Can you share like why that's important and what kind of alerts people would be receiving? Sure. I mean, childcare, I think, has kind of come to the forefront in the in the last few years. It might be one of the gifts that COVID gave us is sort of highlighting the necessity of childcare and how it really props up the economy in any community and in, in, in our state. Um, and so the action alerts will um, just give you real-time information about what things might be happening um, in Juneau at the legislature that are being um, voted on or in your individual community and give you some good um, talking points and how to contact the people that need to hear voices um, about the importance of childcare. I see. So if something's coming up, uh, a vote or something that's going around, you would let people know like, oh, this is the the legislator to talk to, or this is the office to send a note to, or this is the place to maybe show up. There might be, is there, do you ever do like rallies and stuff like that? We have had rallies sometimes in um, different communities. It's, you know, it's going to talk to the assembly if there's something happening um, in a, you know, at a city, at a city level or a local level. Um, sometimes it's, um, you know, if there's, uh, if there are hearings happening on childcare, you know, we, we want to hear from, we want to make sure that the voices of parents and educators are, are heard. And it's not just the people at thread, um, giving the message that it's the people that's really impacting. So, um, yeah. So we'll send it's about that as well. I see. And I know that on the the mind of a lot of folks, this legislative season is uh, budgets and school budgets. And do you ever have action alerts about that? Or is this is, is the early education stuff sort of outside of that a little bit? Um, we obviously, you know, education starts at birth and hopefully goes <laughs> to the grave. Um, but our focus is really um, early childhood education. So kind of birth to eight. So there is a little bit of a crossover with school age and obviously, um, you know, after school programs, but um, really we're looking at early childhood. So we definitely partner with them, um, but we are really advocating for that, those early years. That's good. And that's threadalaska.org is the website for that. Okay, Jen, let's talk about this office in Juneau. Now, I thought Thread had a presence in Juneau already. Is this a, just a new office location that you're relocating to? And that's why you're sort of having this cool open house. Tell us a little bit about it. Uh, yeah. So we had a location and um, just this year, I'm new to Juneau and new to Thread. Welcome. Thank you. Um, and so we uh, had a need to find a new location. So we sort of spent, I started in July and we spent some time figuring out where, where that was going to be. Um, and we found a great new spot down right downtown. Um, it's in the Goldstein building. 
uh, which is right across from the rookery and just a few doors down from Annie Kale's. So mm. it's really, really centrally located. Um, yeah, so we've got our new office location. We have a, a public space and then some office space for me and <laughs> ideally someday some another person. Hold on can a second. Join. Are yeah. you an office of one? I am currently an office of one. So okay. that kind of brings me to the hours, which is highly recommended to uh, get in contact with me and set up an appointment. But I am there most days, eight to one. Um, and because I'm an office of one, if I'm out at a program, you might come and find the door shut, but uh, just make sure that you've, you know, my my phone number's there, my email's right on the door. So if you miss me, I'm sorry to have missed you, but uh, I am there very typically from eight to one every day. <laughs> and you will get back to folks for Absolutely, sure. Absolutely, yes. So this event that you're having on Friday, do you have a little bit of help from some other folks putting this on? Yep. Jen is going to come down um, and we have another uh, person coming down. Candace is going to come down from Anchorage. So we'll have uh, a couple of my colleagues around and um, yeah, we're really excited to share the space with the community. Um, everyone is invited. You know, you don't have to be in early education as an educator or anything. Whole community is open to come. We'll have food, refreshments, giveaways. It's going to be really fun. And everyone's going to be downtown Friday anyway, because it's first Friday. So what a perfect opportunity, what a perfect time to do this. Let me just put the details out there. Mm -hmm. It's Friday, February 2nd. It's from 3.30 to 7.30. Uh, it's at 1.30 Seward Street, Suite 305. And it's upstairs on the third floor. It's the Goldstein Building, bringing the family for free food, fun, and games. And you're going to be down there anyway, walking around at all the galleries. So you might as well stop by, say hi to Jen, welcome her to Juno, and uh, and look at this space that they have. And that's, that's really cool. Maybe find out about some of the programs and everything. Um, so Jen, tell us a little bit about how did you find your way to Alaska since you just moved here? Welcome to Juno. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, well, my husband and I were looking for some new adventure and, um, the universe really told us that Juno was it. He got a job with the school district and that led me to applying for jobs. And I luckily landed with thread and it's been, it's been super great. So you and he have, have had an interest in, in, in education already. Yep. Yeah. yeah my okay. background, um, I was a high school teacher for a while and, uh, worked as an instructional coach for a while, so kind of had this varied background in education and. And where were you? Where were you previously? Uh, we were we're from Michigan, so we were living in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and. Okay, so this snow that we had not that's not unfamiliar. not unfamiliar <laughs> to you. Actually, I always thought of it this way: that they that it seems like the winters here are shorter. They might be a little intense, but the ones there, they're longer, right? Does Michigan have a longer winter, more snow for more time? We definitely, we were, we both grew up in Northern Michigan, um, not the upper peninsula, the very intense winters, but we did have harsh winters growing up. So we were very used to it. Last week was very reminiscent of our childhood. <laughs> You're like, wait, I thought we were moving to a rainforest. Yep. <laughs> a little bit of a shock, but Yeah, well, we it's, ra it's raining now, so it's all good. It sort of comes in waves and then it disappears, unlike Anchorage. Have you been right. up to Anchorage yet? Yep. I was able to go up for the economic summit in October um, and meet everyone in person, which was great, um, and get, get a sense of 
a little bit more of the state. So that was really nice. Yeah, that's great. Well, welcome to you and your partner here to Juno and glad you both found work. And that's, it's a great adventure living here in mm-hmm. Juno. So let's talk about some of the upcoming events. I know um, that Jen mentioned Super Saturday training events, and we have one of those coming up. Tell us a little bit about what that is, when it is, and why we should go. Sure. Yeah. So we have um, our first Super Saturday on February 17th. It'll be at Harborview Elementary School's library from 10 to 2.30 p.m., 10 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Um, and I'll be there with my colleague, Matt, and we will be giving a couple of trainings on, and the focus is really just having some fun, diving back into in-person training. It'll be focused on art and creative play. Um So it's just going to be kind of a day of fun and trying out some different creative play options and uh, learning a little bit about process art. Um, We offer lots of trainings virtually, and we're really hoping to do a lot more of these in-person events. Uh, So this is kind of a hopefully a good kickoff for a couple more Super Saturdays in the future. That's awesome. And Jen, I just want to ask about thread around the state, because obviously you have this presence here in Juneau and you mentioned that there's other programs around Southeast. Is that also available in case somebody's listening who might be over in Huna or Gustavus or somewhere else around the Southeast area? Are there, are there ways to get programs in those communities? Yeah, thank you for asking that. I was going to mention um, when, when Kelsey was talking about her office hours that um, she is supported um, by a statewide team. So if she is not available, um, educators can always and families can always go to our website to reach out to us or also just give a call um, to our, our main line, uh, 907-265-3100 and, um, and be connected with, um, with a professional development specialist or, or an early childhood specialist if they're calling for family services um, referrals. And uh, so, yeah, so programs across the state can call and get support. Absolutely. That's great. And um, Kelsey, where do folks find out more about the Super Saturday? They have, do they have to sign up in advance or do they have to register for it? And it's basically, this is for, is this training for early childhood educators, right? Yeah. The audience okay. for this, for the Super Saturday event is specifically early childhood educators. Um they can get in touch with me directly and I can help them out. Or there is registration on our website, threadalaska.org, under the trainings calendar. Um, and if they want, you know, any if anybody needs help getting there, um, you can contact me directly. Uh, my number, direct number is 907-265-3129. So you can get at me there. Awesome. That's great. Well, it's Kelsey and Jen from Thread, um, Early Childhood Education and Advanced Child Development, um, looking for all those kind of outcomes in Alaska. Great programs. So there's the Super Saturday training event for those early childhood educators here in Juneau. That's Saturday, February 17th at Harborview Elementary. Go to threadalaska.org to sign up for that or give Kelsey a call. And then, of course, this Friday, as you're out and about, make sure you stop by um, from 3.30 to 7.30 at 130 Seward Street, Suite 305. It's upstairs on the third floor of the Goldstein building. There'll be some food. There'll be some fun. There'll be some games. You can learn all about it. And if you have interest in it and early childhood education, that's the place to go. Just go say hi, right? Absolutely. We look forward to seeing everyone there. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on today. Gunnath Cheese for being here and best of luck with the event on Friday. Yeah, thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. 
Up next, the USDA Fireside Lecture Series continues out at Mendenhall Glacier. We'll find out more on what's up next here on Juno Afternoon from KTOO. Hanson Gress, Ka eat with the shu yi, we kashuk a yi tin. Jin kat ka ke jin talk, anachaya ha anikach, gunish cheesh. Support for Juno Afternoon comes from Heritage Coffee Roasting Company, providing Juno with locally roasted coffee for over 40 years, with cafes and drive through locations throughout Juno. More at heritagecoffee.com. KTOO would like to acknowledge that we broadcast from the homelands of the Akwan. The Glen A.D. have stewarded this area for thousands of years. Today, our studios sit on a spot, once part of the Tidelands, now covered over with buildings, roads, and parking lots. We recognize those families who traveled to and from these Tidelands to fishing and hunting grounds and to gatherings in other villages, and still cherish it as an important part of their way of life for today and for future generations. Sounds wild. Hi, I'm Riley Woodford for the Alaska Department of Fishing Game. A couple snow machines are cruising across the snow-covered nearshore ice, Prudhoe Bay, on a sunny day in March in 2023. They're driven by marine mammal biologists with the Alaska Department of Fish and Game, searching for signs of ringed seals. They have some valuable help. Two black Labrador retrievers are running in front of the snow machines, and the super sensitive noses of those specially trained detection dogs can smell signs of seals. They catch a scent and suddenly veer off to the right and double their pace to a fast run. A minute later, they stop, tails wagging, and begin pawing at the snow. The researchers pull up, hop off, and begin probing the snow. They quickly uncover a ringed seal lair, a snow-covered shelter with a hole in the floor, a watery tunnel through the six-foot-thick sea ice into the ocean below. Ringed seals come up to breathe at holes like this, and they also haul out and rest in their lairs. In the winter and spring of 2022 and 2023, these detection dogs led researchers to more than 130 ringed seal breathing holes and layers in Prudhoe Bay, helping biologists better understand and protect these ice-adapted ringed seals. For Sounds Wild, I'm Riley Woodford. You're listening to community-supported Juno Afternoon on KTOO at 104.3 Juno, 91.7 Juno Ock Bay and online at KTOO.org. I'm your host, Boston Christopher. The Fireside Lecture Series is an ongoing series of talks held at the Mendenhall Glacier Visitor Center and offers a wide variety of talks and perspectives. This Friday, Laura Klingman, dubbed the Indiana Jones of Forest Service Archaeology's talk, is titled Once Upon a Time Ago, Archaeology and the Clues from the Past. And Laura joins me now in studio. Studio. Good to see you. 
Uh, thank you so much for being here, Wasiati. How's it going? Good. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So, um, yeah, I noticed that little note uh, about you being dubbed the Indiana Jones <laughs> of Forest Service archaeology. Is that a fun moniker that your office mates put on you, or where did you get that name? I, that was just um, from the from the visitor center. They threw that in there. Um, it made my parents very happy. Yeah, they were very proud. That's pretty fun. <laughs> um, but, you know, as an archaeologist, we have a love-hate relationship with Indiana Jones. Most of us got into it because of Indiana Jones, but at the same time, it's not really what we do. Yeah, it has, it's a movie. It's yeah. movies, people. Yes. It's not yeah. real life. Yeah. But all right, well, this Fireside Lecture Series, which is sort of a collaboration between the USDA and uh, Mendenhall Glacier, and it's in full swing. Will you share a little bit about this series overall, what its goals are? And I do have a list of some of the offerings, but um, what are the goals of this? It's been going on for a while, right? Yeah, it's um actually been happening since 1962. It's wow. uh, yeah, it, when the visitor center actually was built in in 1961, 1962, um, it was a thing to do to keep the visitor center going and open, and for the public, the Juno locals and the public during the winter when it wasn't being, you know. Oh, yeah, because most people visit it in the summertime as tourists, but in the winter, it's like, well, we could have some talks and get people out. And especially when it was new, right, in the early 60s, it was probably come check this place out. And it's called the Fireside Chats because they used to actually have it right in that big main room in front of that beautiful brass um, fireplace. Right. So so that's why it's the Fireside Chat. Now it's in the auditorium, which um, helps to bring a bigger audience, which has been happening the past few lectures. The first one was over 160 people showed up. Wow. Um, last time was still um, above 50. And that was surprising with the, how the weather it was. Yeah. Um, so it's been very popular. It's been happening even through COVID. They still did things online. It's a really great community event. Uh, a lot of people come out. There's a huge range of topics. And, and are they all based, are the topics all based on um, sort of agricultural or ar- archaeological sort of things? I noticed, or to do with science in some way? In some way. They try to bring yeah. in um, a wide range of, of talks and that kind of stuff. Uh, we usually put it out there to any of our our scientists and our, our the people that work with us, but um, we're pretty open to any any conversation, any talk. That I'll put have. the I'll put the link to um, the upcoming talks, but here's just a couple samples, and then we'll get to yours. Um, yours is this Friday, February second, but there ones upcoming are things like seeking Juno's hidden stories underwater, um, tales of tales, <laughs> how flukes. Fluke patterns and blubber bits allow us to track the health of Juno whales, which that's a really interesting topic yeah. because we know they come to and fro. Um, grow with the flow. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is that? Juvenile salmon, salmonid growth within a pro-glacial watershed in southeast Alaska. That one's right over my head, but that's why I would go to this talk, Absolutely, right? Sort of break yeah. it down for me and and help me out and figure out what that is. Unseen ice exploring the under unseen ice exploring the underwater portions of Alaska's glaciers and icebergs. That sounds really fun. And a few more. These go all the way through 
March 29th. Um, they seem to be pretty much every Friday. Um, and they always start around seven o'clock yep. out at the Mendenhall Glacier. Now in the past during COVID, I know sometimes they were put on the YouTube. Are they still recorded? Yep, they still are. If you go on to the Mendenhall Visitor Center's Facebook page, they have a link. Uh, it's live that night. And then 24 hours later, they will have a um, video recording of it up on the Facebook page. Oh, that's great. Yep. So all of the ones that maybe people have missed yep. are on there. You yep. can go back and you can just, you know, scroll through those and, and binge them. Yes. And learn a lot about <laughs> science. Okay. So now, Laura, you are a USDA Forest Service archaeologist. That Correct. sounds like a very cool job. What is it that you do? Um, so that's what I'll be talking about on Friday. Okay. I um, So the Forest Service um, employs archaeologists. It's, uh, how do I put this without it being boring? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think archaeology is boring at all. I think it's, it's kind of fun. But. It's not. The laws behind it can be a little ah, bit boring. I um, see. Yeah. So the National Historic Preservation Act of 1966 um, kind of spearheads of most archaeologists' work. Okay. It's called cultural resource management or compliance archaeology. And any federal money or federal permits or federal lands, that kind of stuff, um, you have to make sure that there's not going to be any impact to cultural resources in any way. Oh. And so um, because, the you know, the Forest Service is a federal agency, they right. employ us to make sure any of the trail worker, cabin worker, any of that kind of stuff, we make sure that there's not going to be any kind of impact to cultural resources. Isn't that tough being an archaeologist? I mean, I think of archaeology, what we see in the movies is some mad scientist or mad archaeologist <laughs> is always digging up the earth, looking for the law. Lost gold treasure of something, 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 right? Like, right. but is there what? What is it that you're really doing? So we are out there. I dig. Um, so I'm from upstate New York. I that's where I got my education from. So we dig a lot more out on the East Coast. Um, but here in the Southeast, we've been trying to move a lot more towards like not digging as much um, because that once you've unearthed something. It can't go back. Mm. That cultural resource is now out there. Um, you've disturbed the intact uh, cultural resources, that kind of thing. So um, for us, we do a lot of things like this, public outreach, um, education, my talk on Friday. We do go out there and we do um, look for things and we do do excavations. That's very, very normal. I'm not fighting anyone and putting things in museums or anything like Indiana Jones, <laughs> but but we are out there. We're digging. We um, dig all over the place. We go out and do a lot of surveys at work and that kind of stuff, get wet, get muddy. You know, wow. Yeah. yeah. So Indiana Jones, Laura Croft, these aren't really the real deal, right? Like no. these are <laughs> these are a little bit uh, of science or uh, I don't know. Uh, what is the word I'm looking for? They're exploitative, maybe yes. exploitative yeah. of yeah. the of the actual work that you're doing. And um, so this Friday, your talk is titled Once Upon a Time Ago, Archaeology and the Clues from the Past. So what are you covering with that? So I'm going to talk a little bit about what archaeology is and uh, like we were just covering a little bit about why the Forest Service employs archaeologists and what I do for them on a day-to-day -day basis kind of thing. I'm going to talk a little bit about our field methods, like what we do when we're out there. I'll probably bring my shovel and my screen and stuff to show people. Um, but then I also want to, I'm, I'm going to focus a lot on um, archaeology in the southeast of Alaska okay. and how we 
take the things that we find or the information that we find, um, say like oral histories or any of that kind of stuff, and how we use all of that together to get a better understanding of what people did back then and how people lived and um, and what that means for us, for descendant communities, for everybody, because we're all here. We're all in Juno. We all are deeply entwined in the history here. Um, that's why I came out here, honestly. The Juno history is just absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, coming from upstate New York all the way to Alaska, was it always a dream of yours? Is that how it, were you looking at that from when you were a young person? Not really. I do a lot of historical archaeology. So the mining um, in canneries and that kind of stuff was very, very interesting to me. Um, just the history of Juno and Alaska is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it's some of the most interesting history you can you can find in our country, in my opinion. But wow! And what was the? This, I'm always curious about this. What was the spark? Like when, when, whenever this happened for you, what was it that made you think about going down the path of becoming an archaeologist? I've wanted to be an archaeologist almost my entire life. I would have to say, um, if it was any spark, don't know if people remember this, but that giant gold enameled Egyptian Egyptology book. That was like a coffee table book. It's really popular when yeah. I was a kid. And I um, I don't know. I just was always I've always been interested in other places. And what age did and, you start discovering that book at? I, I would say probably six or seven. Wow. Maybe. It was so shiny. <laughs> <laughs> and it just caught you, right? It just oh, caught absolutely. You. Absolutely. Oh, that's amazing. Well, Laura Klingman, she is the USDA, a one of the yes, USDA yes. Forest Service archaeologists. Her fireside lecture series chat will be happening this Friday at Mendenhall Glacier Visitor Center. It starts at 7 o'clock. It's February 2nd. Doors open at 6.30 p.m. And uh, it'll be in the auditorium. And it sounds like it's going to be a fascinating chat about what you do and why you do it and all the things that you are learning about Southeast Alaska. Absolutely. I'm excited about it. Awesome. Well, Laura, thanks so much for coming in. Gunnath Thank you. We'll do it for today's Juno Afternoon. On tomorrow's show, the Irish band I Draw Slow makes their way to Juno for a few shows at the Goldtown Nickelodeon Wednesday and Thursday. We'll have the band live here in studio, plus updates from the Juno Douglas City Museum and the Juno Public Libraries. Juno Afternoon airs Tuesday through Friday at 3 p.m. right here on KTOO Juno 104.3 and KAUK Juno Auk Bay 91.7. Hello, out the road. Find the show online at KTOO.org slash Juno Afternoon, where you can listen to episodes, subscribe to the podcast, offer feedback or suggestions, or find out how to be a guest on the show. Our theme music is by Indian Agent. Juno Afternoon is a project of the KTOO Arts and Culture team. I'm Boston Christopher, producer and host of the program, with help today from Aaron Tripp. Thanks, and have a fantastic Juno evening. Reminder, the governor's state of the state has been rescheduled for tonight at 7 p.m., which will preempt the rebroadcast of this episode of Juno Afternoon. <laughs>